didn't have the opportunity to do all of that, but it was nice this morning and just had a great time to, uh, you know, just to experience, uh, you know, some of the morning with God this morning. So let us bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you, dear Lord, so much for today. God, I thank you for each one that is gathered with us here today. And God, I thank you for the ones that are watching us right now on Facebook or on YouTube. God, I thank you for each one, and I pray that your words would speak to us today as we gather together at one table, worshiping the one and true Lord with one heart. God, because we are your people, and God, we call out your name today, and we worship and we praise you, and we give you glory of all things that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do have a couple of announcements that I need to make for you today. Um, I want to make sure that on May the 16th at 1010, we will have our year-end meeting. Okay, so that's going to be in the morning. So in between the two services, we will gather together to have our year-end church meeting. So for all of you that are members, please come to that. Uh, that will be, we will have voting that's going to be involved with that as far as being able to see and to read uh, all the reports from our department heads from this year. So that's going to be on the 16th. So that's at 1010 on the 16th. So please come and be a part of that. Also, we have the uh, teens are going on their retreat. And there's uh, paperwork and stuff for that out there in the foyer. There's also still folders to where you can support and uh, you know, help one of the teenagers or help pay for one of the teenagers to go. Uh, if you could do that, those paperwork are out in the foyer as well. For the women's group, uh, their uh, y'all's retreat, uh, the flyers and stuff for that retreat is out in the foyer as well. So make sure that you grab one of those and that you're able to go uh, you know, to that as well. Okay, so as we have come together to worship God, I want to read this passage of scripture for you from 2 Samuel chapter 22. It says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I call on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is the solid rock? The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. My God is my rock and my salvation. Be exalted. For this, O Lord, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises unto your name. So let us stand as we sing praises unto our God, unto our Lord, our rock, our salvation, our refuge. Praise and worship to him this morning. Our God. Why do you turn into wine? Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. 
Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you None like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger God, you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power, our God our God Take it to the darkness Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you None like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God, and our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. If our God is before us, who can stop us? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Then what could stand against? God. And our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, and our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome our God, our God, and if our God, and if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Then what could stand true if our God is for us then what could ever stand against us so let's continue to give praise to him for he is mighty to save this morning let's lift our voices everyone needs compassion everyone needs compassion Love that's never failing Let mercy fall on me Everyone needs forgiveness The kindness of the Savior 
Do you believe that this morning? I'm no stranger to the prison. I have worn shackles and chains, but I've been freed and forgiven. And I'm not going back. I'll never be the same. That's why we say, oh, my hope is in Jesus. Thank God that yesterday gone. Oh, my sins are forgiven. I've been washed by the blood. There's a kind of Break him down to his knees. God, I've been broken more than a time or two. Yes, Lord. But then he picked me up and he showed me what it means to be a man. Come on and sing. Oh, my hope is in Jesus. Thank God. Aren't you glad that my yesterday is gone? We have a brand new day that we could be here in the presence of the Lord. His presence, I believe, is surely here this morning as he fills this building, as he fills these pews, and we open our hearts and our minds to him this morning that we can truly receive him. So let's sing this song this morning. It's so simple, so sweet, yet so powerful, and y'all should know it. So let's give it to him this morning. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believe, see my chains are gone, my chains are gone, 
have been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life. Endure. Sing my chains. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns unending Amazing grace, sing my chains. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love. Amazing grace. Let's sing it, church. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine. But God who called me Will be forever mine. Will be, will be forever mine. Sing, you are, and you are forever mine. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this. God, as we sung these songs of praise, God, I pray that you have received them as a sweet incense unto you. God, we bow before you with humble hearts and bented knees. And God, we call upon you today to be in our midst and to move in our lives, to check us where we are, to see who we are and where we are. But God, whenever we do that, we also give you permission to change what needs to be changed. God, I pray, dear Lord, that we will be obedient to that today. That as we call out to you and praise you, oh, dear Heavenly Father, that our love for you grows more and more. But God, there is no love without obedience. And God, we obey you today 
in your calling upon our lives. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we praise that we pray this in your name, in the name of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As you're being seated, I would ask that you would go ahead and turn into your Bible to Isaiah chapter 53. And the key passage of Scripture for us today is going to be verse 6, but I'm going to read Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 6. So go ahead and turn there. And as you turn there, I want you to take your other hand or take your finger and place it there at Isaiah 53 and then go to Luke chapter 15 because I'm going to be preaching from Luke chapter 15. And then once you get there in Luke chapter 15, I want you to go and turn back into the Old Testament to Jonah chapter 3 because I'm going to be speaking to you from Jonah chapter 3. And then I want you to make sure that you are able to raise your hand and to shout and praise God as the message goes along. So you have all those things that you can do, right? You, you have them all marked? Okay, well that's alright because uh, you know, we will make it there. But we're going to start off in Isaiah chapter 3. And I am excited about this message today. Not too often do I actually get Jackie the passages of Scripture on Tuesday. But I got her these passages on Tuesday and she didn't have to ask for it. So I'm really excited about this. But through this, I need you to follow along with me because there are some things that I'm going to have to discuss and, and teach you so that we can lay the foundation for this particular passage of Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 53, let's go ahead and read this because this is about God's mercy that He pours out upon us. So let's see this. Isaiah 53, and I'm going to begin with verse 4. It says, Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. So the he is Jesus, and our weaknesses is our sins that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we, though his, through his troubles, were a punishment, though and we, though his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for our own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, he was beaten so we could be whole, he was whipped so that we could be healed, all of us like sheep have gone astray, we have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. This is prophecy about Jesus Christ and what he will do for us and the mercy that God poured out upon us through his son, Jesus Christ. Right? So whenever we look at this, I also want you to look at Luke chapter 15. And in Luke chapter 15, there's three parables that's there in Luke chapter 15. But I want you to understand this, that the parables are more about God's mercy being poured out upon us or upon the sheep or the coin or the prodigal son than it is about anything else. 
So it's about his mercy that has been poured out upon each one of those as we do this. Now, there's a word in verse 6 of Isaiah 53 that we need to key in on. So whenever we look at Isaiah 56, it says all of us, like sheep, have went astray. Throughout the Old Testament and throughout even stories in the New Testament, uh, you know, these fine stories about shepherd and about sheep and about how God looks at us as far as his sheep are, uh, you know, there are, there are the lost sheep that we also see in Luke chapter 15, uh, you know, with that, uh, you know, with the lost sheep. So to help us with this, we look in John chapter 10, in John chapter 10, verses 14 through 16, we find these words. It says, I am the good shepherd. So Jesus is telling us now in John 10 that he is the good shepherd. This is one of John's I, I am statements. Remember, I talked about that a little bit last week, the I I am, as in who God is, he says, I, I am the good shepherd. So Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. So let's go on from there. It says, I know my sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheep's fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. So I want us to see this, because whenever we look at this, at this particular point in time in Scripture, there's two flocks. The flocks that we have and the flock that Jesus is talking about is the flock as far as God's chosen people. So Jesus Christ came and he is the shepherd at this point in time to God's chosen people. Now whenever I say this point in time, I'm talking about whenever the scripture was written. This would be the Israelites or the Jewish nation. That is flock one, the ones that knows Jesus' voice. Flock number two would be the Gentiles, which would be all other flocks. That is the second flock that Jesus talks about, that he says, they will know my voice and they will become my sheep. But he ends this in saying that there will be a time that there will only be one flock. Now, the only time and when that happens is, is that it's going to be whenever Jesus Christ returns again and we have that last judgment day, there will then only be one flock because all the ones that did not believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be cast into the lake of fire and they will no longer be. So there will only be one flock and that will be the flock underneath Jesus Christ. So for us today, as in the day that we live in, there's still two flocks. 
But we need to understand who are the two flocks. The two flocks that Jesus will be talking about after his resurrection, as in here in Luke chapter 15. Actually, Luke chapter 15 is before his resurrection. But after his resurrection, there is other people that comes into the flock. And that would be the Gentile nation or the ones that were lost that believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Remember, he is the true vine. John says, I am the true vine, and that Jesus then grafts in the Gentiles into the true vine so that they then become part of that one flock. You and I are part of that one flock because we have been grafted in, because we believe in Jesus Christ, so we have been grafted into the vine, or we are one in that one flock because we have believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and He is now and He now calls us a child of God. So we are part of flock number one because we believe in Him. Flock number two would be the ones today that still do not believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. So you got the flock one and the flock two. You're part of flock one because we believe in him. So whenever we look at Luke chapter 15 and we find this parable about the lost sheep, then I need you to understand who this parable is written to. So let's see who this parable is written to. Now, I'm going to do something. I've never done it before. So if you don't like it, just tell me afterwards, and I might change it, and I might not. But I have never preached from the message. So this passage of Scripture in Luke will be from the message translation. So I'm going to read this for you here. So in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, we're going to find out who these stories are written or talked to or told to. It says, by this time, a lot of men and women of questionable repute or reputation are hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased, not at all. They growled or grumbled. He, he takes the sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. So who's doing the grumbling? The first flock, the chosen people, the first flock is beginning to grumble because sinners are beginning to hang around with Jesus. And it brings about this story. So the story is to who? The first flock. It's not to the outsiders. This story is to the people in the church, right? We're, we're part of the first flock now, right? So this is the church. So this passage of scripture is for the people that are in the church. So let's read this. Let's, let's see this. 
Suppose some of you, or one, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you, have, wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after one, the one unit, uh, the lost one, until you found it? When you found, you would... You, came to be sure, see, I, I'm having trouble reading the message. Let me get here from this, from here again. When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing, and when you got home, call your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I have found my lost sheep. Count it, count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner rescued, sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people who need rescue. Man, what a celebration, right? But wait a minute. This is to the flock. This is to God's chosen people. This is to the people today that believe in Jesus Christ. Why would a flock, why would a member of the flock want to leave? Why would a member of Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene want to leave this flock? I know you're thinking about it because somebody's bullied you. There's somebody within this flock that's hurt you. There's somebody within this flock that has said something about you or said something to you that hurt you. So you leave the flock. It could be that you just simply wandered away. Oh, squirrel. Right? Oh, it's better over here. Right? Something's got your attention. Oh, look at that butterfly over there. Man, this pandemic has done wonders for us, right? I can watch church on TV. I don't have to come to the church anymore. Yes, I know we video all of our services. There is people and it is a wonderful tool to be able to spread God's word. But if you can make it into the house of God, you should be here. Now I'm going to jump off of that soapbox. Let's go back to the passage of scripture. Because see... Sheep leave the flock because other sheep are mean to them. Sheep leave the flock because they wander away. Sheep also leave the flock because somebody has picked this patch of grass and says, this is mine, you can't have it. This is mine, I always come to this patch of grass, you get out. You're not welcome in this area. Man, y'all were getting quiet 
are y'all holding your feet up or something? Is that the reason? Uh, you know, come on, uh, you know, let's think about this. Because this patch of grass that we say is ours within the church, this is that elephant that's in the room that we do it because we've always done it this way. I have always came to church at this point in time, and we've always done this, 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 and this. Now you're trying to change it, Pastor. I'm out of here. That's my patch of grass. Either that or they're like, Pastor, you're out of here. This is my patch of grass. So we shun people away. We're supposed to be loving people. We're supposed to be a congregation that welcomes people into it. But whenever they come in, we then demand that, no, that's my piece of grass. Now, please don't take this wrong. But I'm going to say it anyway. Whenever somebody comes into the church and there's a blanket or a Bible that's on the pew, they think somebody's sitting there. So they're going to go sit someplace else. Right? If you walked into another church that you were visiting and there was a blanket sitting on the pew and you wanted to sit there, do you think you would be welcome to sit there? Absolutely not. You're invading someone else's space. Now, I'm not telling you to pick up and take your blankets and stuff home unless you're going to bring them back next week. But we tell people that we want them to come in, but they can only come in underneath our terms. It's my patch of grass. Right? If you want it, you got to get it this way. How long are they going to stay there? They're gone. What about those ones that just wander off? This pandemic has people wandering everywhere. Thinking that they can be satisfied somewhere else thinking that they can be satisfied by doing something else. But you know, I, I, I need to get back to that sheep that was hurt because of somebody saying something or doing something in the church. See, whenever somebody comes, let's say that somebody in here got all excited one week and, and they invited a lost friend of theirs to come to church and they came into church and they got saved that morning. They came down to the altar and they received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And as you're walking with them out, you, you tap them on the shoulder and you say, hey, you need to put your offering in that box. Right? You're saved now. You've got to tie. You're saved now. You've got to do this. We have good intentions. And you can say whatever you want to. Oh, I, I told them that in a loving tone. Uh, 
there is no way for you to tell someone that you've got to tithe now that you're a Christian in a loving term, tone. That doesn't work. What we are supposed to do is that whenever we're walking out the door and we're talking about God's mercy being poured out upon them, we take our offering out and we put it in the box. And we show them that as a Christian, these are the things that we do. Should have I put one of those asterisks on the message today that said, wear your steel-toed shoes? There are more people that will not darken the door of a church because of the people inside of the church. Mm. Pastor, I thought you said this message was about God's mercy poured out upon us. It is. Because the shepherd went and found that one. The shepherd, Jesus Christ, left the safety of that pen and went out into the wilderness, went out into the world for each and every one of us that has wandered away. Whether we have wandered away from the church or like we're like this lost coin that's in the house of God but lost Sitting here in the church pew every single Sunday, but we're going to bust hell wide open because we refuse to do what God has called us to do. Man. And this is good. It's, we're there, we're part of it. That's why Jesus gave all three of these parables, all three of them. Were to the leaders of the church, to the leaders of God's people. Wow. That lost sheep. You know, the coin. This widow. Here it doesn't say a, a widow, it says a woman says, or imagine a woman who has ten coins and loses one. Wouldn't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny to find it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbors and celebrate with me, calling them to celebrate with me. I have found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party the angels or God's angels throw every time a lost soul turns to God. Wow. How many of you know what a nook and cranny is? A nook is a small place. A cranny is a smaller place. She looked into a nook and cranny. Every nook and cranny for that. It says that she scoured the house looking for it. 
Now, in this particular translation, the message just simply says that she lit the lamp. And the NLT says she lit the lamp, uh, she lit every lamp in the house to find that coin. You know what? She most probably spent more money on the oil that she ever burned whenever she found it. I was that lost coin. At the age of two weeks old, I was taken to church. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Not two weeks. Three weeks. Because remember... There's this magical moment in time in your life that you can, when you can go to church. See, you know, week one and week two, your immune system's not strong enough to handle the people that's in church. But in week three, it's able to, so your body can handle it. So they don't bring you week one and week two, but they'll bring you week three and, and so on. My mom and dad brought me to church week three. Four, five, six. I mean, I was brought to church every single day until I went off to college. Or not every day, but every single Sunday, every single Sunday night, every every Wednesday night until I went off to college. I, I was 19 years of age riding in the back seat of the car with mom and dad as they were taking me to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Now on youth nights, I drove myself. I want you to know, for 90 to 95% of the time, I was lost sitting in the house of God. Until I truly accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was lost sitting in those pews, singing the hymns, listening to the messages, going to Sunday school, listening to the lessons, listening to all of these people and hearing all of these things. But I thank God that although I was still in the house, that he never stopped looking for me. He never stopped drawing me. He never once looked at me and said, you're unworthy. I'm going to turn the lights out because you're unworthy. He continued to search for me. He found me. And the the prodigal son, the prodigal son, you know, there's there's some people that's not in church because they chose something. They, They just chose to walk away from church. They made a decision in their life that they were going to do something. And they just walked away from the flock. See, I I don't know what it would be. It's that girl down the street. She did it. Right? Come on now, what? I was a youth leader for 15 years, and I knew that if you had girls in the youth group, you could grow your youth group, because the boys are going to follow the girls. Girls won't follow the boys, but, girl, but boys will follow the girls. 
So if you have girls in your youth group and they have a boyfriend, all of a sudden your youth group's grown because he's coming because he's going to be with a girl. Man, the women will take you anywhere. That can be the choice that you choose. I love her. I'm going to follow her. I love her. God says, no, 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 no. You know, my daughter is, is engaged and she's getting married in December. And I had the opportunity to talk to her fiance uh, before he asked her. He was kind of asking me for permission. And, and he said, what are you looking for in your son-in-law? And I looked at him. And I said, I want you to love Jesus Christ more than you love her. And if you love Jesus Christ more than you love her, then you will treat her the way that she needs to be treated. Because she is a child of God. And she deserves right. We all too often do the opposite thing. And we go for what the flesh desires. That's a beautiful girl, so I'm going to follow that girl. Instead of doing what God wants us to do. But we also choose, we choose to make our lives too busy for God. And we justify it by saying we need the money to be able to do the things that we want to do. So I have to work harder so that I can afford to do the things that I want to do. Instead of trusting that God will provide for you, you are going to work at it and you're going to make yourself so busy that you can't go to church. It's your decision to walk away. The prodigal son chose to leave his father's house. Chose to go out into the world and do what he wanted to do. He made that choice. But remember, it's about God's mercy. Because as he was feeding the pigs, he remembered the slaves in my father's house have more to eat than I do. See, the Holy Spirit began to draw him and says, hey, the decision that you made cannot keep you from coming back home. But just like the lost sheep that wandered away, there is no point in time in that lost sheep's life that he will decide to turn back to the flock on his own. Without the calling of the Holy Spirit, the sheep would never try to return to the flock. Without the shepherd going to the sheep, it would never come back to the flock. Jesus knew that. And he went and got it. He knew that the coin couldn't return on its own. So he spent the time to clean and to find it. He knew that the prodigal son had made the decision. And that he wasn't going to come back until the Holy Spirit had drawn him and called him to come back home. And the father says, I don't care what you've done. You will never be a slave in this house. You are my child. 
and put the ring and the royal robe on him and killed the fatted calf and had a great feast because of God's mercy that he poured out upon us. Regardless if you've wandered away from the flock, he's going to come and find you. Regardless if you're lost in the house of God, he's going to find you. Regardless if you have chosen to walk away from him as the prodigal son, he will allow you to return to his house and instill you with the glory and grace that you deserve as a child of God. Because of his mercy that he has poured out upon you. I've got to finish this up. There's one more passage of scripture that we have to go to, right? And that's Jonah. Now I want you to see this. Jonah's really cool. Okay, it's only four books. Not very long. Chapter 3 is only ten verses. But whenever you look into Jonah, Jonah is the first prophet that is supposed to go to a Gentile nation and give the message from God Almighty. Right? All the other prophets prophesied from within the borders of Israelites. Jonah was told that you need to go into Nineveh and proclaim my message. Nineveh was so big that it says that it would take three days to walk from one side of Nineveh all the way to the other side. Let's see this. In Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Antimus. Get up and go to the great city. Announce my judgment it, a judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. It's a Gentile nation. It's not part of flock number one. But he is sending them, sending Jonah to this nation. Why? Because God has mercy upon them and wants to warn them of their destruction. If you continue down this path, I will destroy you in 40 days. Jonah doesn't go there, does he? Jonah goes in the opposite direction and goes to Joppa. He gets on the boat. Storm comes up. They throw him overboard. He's in the belly of the fish. He repents. The fish throws him up. And God gives him the message again. In chapter 10, he says, go to Nineveh and give them this message. Why did Jonah not go to Nineveh to begin with? Jonah didn't go to Nineveh to begin with because he knew if they changed their wicked ways that God would have mercy upon them and not destroy them. And Jonah wanted to destroy the people. God's mercy might have been given to them if they would have turned. So Jonah's not going to give them the message for them to turn back. So God's going to have to destroy them. No. 
God's mercy for the people is, is that God's going to throw his messenger over into the deep water. He's going to cause the storm, throw him over into the deep water. It says that he sinks down into the deep water. He goes into the abyss. He is actually at the bottom of the ocean because it says that he was at the bottom of the mountains in the deep and their seaweed was wrapped around his head. He was about to die and the great fish took him in because God had mercy upon the people in Nineveh because that's where Jonah was supposed to be going. God was going to do everything that he could to save those people through the message that he had given to Jonah. Whoo! What a loving God that is. Mercy that he had poured out upon those people. Undeserving. Us. All of us. Undeserving people. There was a Jonah that came to us and spoke to us because we are out of sight of the first flock. Right? All of us. We were outside of the first flock. Jonah was sent to the Gentile nation. He was sent to the wicked people. He was sent to us because of God's mercy. I got too excited there. Let me catch my breath. First chapter, chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw that they had done what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. They heard the message. They heard the mercy of God and they repented. Each and every one of you is a Jonah. And God has given each and every one of you a message to give to the Gentile nation. Each and every one of you that have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior are part of flock number one. And he has given you a message that is to go to the lost and dying world. And you have the message to go out and find that lost sheep and bring it back. You have the message that to go to the one that's sitting in the church that is lost and dying and going to hell as he sits here or she sits here and listens to the message of God. You have the message for the prodigal son that has chosen to walk away. You have that message. And God has poured out his mercy upon you so that you can share that message with other people. God's glory and God's mercy is given to us so that we can bring the lost sheep back. So that we can help find the lost coin. So that we can welcome home the prodigal son. Now, in each one of these parables, there was a party thrown afterwards. Whenever we go to a party that we're invited to, there's all too often that we think that we're 
the reason for the party. See, we're not the reason for this party. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son is the reason for the party. Whenever you go to the party and you leave that party, what's in your thought process? I hope those people think I'm a cool guy. I hope those people like the dress that I wore today. I think they hope they like the lipstick that I wore. See, it, it's, it's all about us. Whenever we leave the party, they should be saying, man, that guy really thought I was great. She thought I had a beautiful dress. She loved my lipstick. It's not about us. It's about the glory of God. It's about His mercy being poured out upon people. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God's mercy. His mercy that was poured out upon me and upon you. His mercy that He wants to pour out upon this lost world. Now see, I told you earlier, there's still two flocks right now. But there's going to come a day that there's only one flock. And that's when Jesus Christ returns. I hope and I pray that you're part of flock number one whenever that happens. Today is the day that if you're not, if you're, if you're the lost sheep, today's the day that you can come home and be a part of flock one. You might be the lost coin. And you might be sitting here just simply doing the things that a Christian's supposed to do, but not really having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today's the day that you can receive His mercy and become a part of that one flock. You might be the part of the prodigal son that you have chosen to fall away and to walk away. You, you made that choice, and today you find yourself in the house of God. He is calling upon you and he says, welcome home, my son. <laughs> welcome home, my son. I'd like for everyone to stand. As Chris comes and plays. The message this morning has a lot of steps, but it's really simple. God is a merciful God, and His mercy is poured out upon you and upon us. If you're here today, and you're that lost coin, He is searching every nook and cranny for you. He's calling you right now. He's calling you 
home. If you're the prodigal son and you've chosen to walk away, but you find yourself in God's house or even listening to the message online today, He's here with open arms. Wanting, wanting to put that robe on you. Wanting to put that ring around your finger. Wanting to call you son or daughter. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're one of those two and you need to respond this morning, the time is now. He's calling you today. no place like home. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words today. I thank you for the message, God, that you have given to us through this. God, I pray, dear Lord, that we would keep these words in our heart and that we would meditate upon those throughout today and throughout this week. God, that we would be the Jonah that you need for us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.